Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today we'll be looking at some insights and practices drawn from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Yoga is a familiar word to most people today, but not everyone's aware of its philosophical core, its root that has to do with spiritually enlightened living. It means oneness, union, or unity, bringing our attention and our awareness to abide in our essential nature, to be the spiritual beings that we are, and to know that truth about what we are, and then live in harmony with it. And we've been engaged in a series here on Yoga Hour of um, looking at healing with yoga. And today's topic is neurospirituality, how to train your brain for awakening. And we have just the right person to share with us about that. We're joined by Marty Wetke, who is the founder and clinical director of Neurotherapy Centers International. He's a pioneer in combining multiple protocols of neurofeedback therapy as an intervention for depression, traumatic brain injury, addiction, eating disorders, chronic pain, and anxiety, and more. And um, with over 30 years of research and application of yogic science with consciousness, Ayurvedic medicine, holistic nutrition, meditation, as well as his own longtime practice of Kriya Yoga, Marty combines the wisdom and methods of the ancient traditions with advanced technologies as a way to facilitate healing, personal growth, and the awakening process. It's really great to be speaking with you again, Marty. Great to be here, Ellen. Thank you for inviting me. So before we start our formal conversation about 
optimal brain functioning. Let's take a moment um, to just contemplate, meditate for just a moment as we begin. We take a moment now to consciously breathe. Of course, we breathe all the time, but we're going to bring that breath into our awareness now. And as we breathe, we're going to feel and experience drawing our attention within with the in-breath and relaxing with the out-breath. So as we draw our attention within with the in-breath, let's acknowledge one reality called by many names as the support and substance of all that is and know that we are abiding in that. So with each breath in, feel that we are diving into the infinite ocean of divine reality consciously becoming aware of our larger true life. And with every breath out, letting go of any sense of being separate from the source, letting go of restlessness, desire to do anything else or be anywhere else, but just breathe in, be here now, breathe out, let go. And just a simple moment of pausing like this begins to change our brains, really, when we'll talk about that. It begins to change our minds as thoughts settle. We can begin to experience the peace that is always within us. Let's call that peace forth right now and invite it to pervade the mental field emotional nature and the physical. And let's agree to let this peace go before us today into every encounter and into every situation. Today's topic Neurospirituality, train your brain for awakening, is one that is so um, practical, sound, spiritual, and also spiritually based. We find today that modern research is showing us what um, Vedic science has um, known for thousands of years. So we're going to begin this segment with taking a look at the science of optimal brain functioning. Paramahansa Yogananda advised us to seek healing and well-being uh, within, first within, and um, to learn to turn our attention within. He wrote, focus your attention within. You will experience new strength, new power, and new peace in body, mind, and spirit. All the bonds that limit you will be vanquished. Our Kriya Yoga tradition 
teaches us that by turning inward, we can gain that strength, power, and peace that we need for optimal functioning in the world. And of course, there's lots of ways for us to um, begin to be more inner directed, whether it's through meditation or prayer or contemplation. And today, besides technology giving us myriad ways to be distracted and out of directed, we find that um, there's also a rising use of technology to help us learn how to be aware and inner directed. And of course, neurospirituality is one of them. So, Marty, let's start with you telling us about what that is. Well, um, neurospirituality is sort of an emerging uh, philosophy that is morphing into a science because of uh, what you just mentioned. There's a lot of research now going on looking at um, the brain and brain function and how that may um, be involved in the process of uh, spiritual growth. So um, essentially what we're seeing is that an expression or the expression of our spirituality, our spiritual attributes and qualities is really uh, moderated by how our neurological um, makeup is arranged or disarranged. So um, in that sense, a couple of things. Number one is um, the more regulated we see uh, brain processes, and remember the brain is largely uh, run by electrochemical processes. So I know everybody has heard of neurotransmitters and so on. Well, these these uh, little molecules, also known as the molecules of emotion, have a lot to do with um, how our brain is functioning. And um, so the brain can be regulated or dysregulated depending on a lot of variables and factors. The other part of that, though, is, is what part or parts of the brain are more active versus other parts. And we, um, you know, many of the listeners has probably heard of the limbic system, lower parts of the brain. And these are are areas of the brain that are, um, you know, left over from evolution. So we affectionately refer to some of these lower parts of the brain as lizard brain because they have to do with some older, deeper, more primitive drives like um, instinct and territoriality and survival and fear. And in terms of yogic science and philosophy, these lower parts of the brain uh, definitely correlate with the lower chakras, with um, these struggles that we go through as we deal with some of the uh, psychological energetics as we move through some of the lower chakra things. So survival, fear, competition, power, all these things have to do with these lower levels of the brain. So in terms of neurospirituality, we know that um, as we do our practices and as we follow the different um, observances and constraints, particularly in the yogic path, that we are, in, in, in effect, quieting down these lower areas of the brain. And the interesting thing is that if you look at some of the research now, and as we do various types of uh, brain scans or brain maps, we can see as 
as a person goes through meditative practice and as they work on themselves, that these lower levels of the brain begin to quiet down. Um, a neuroscientist friend of mine is very fond of saying that the majority of people um, are basically run by the limbic system, that the limbic system is holding the higher cortex, the part of the brain that is is rational. Um, so the limbic system is holding this cortex hostage. And we see that in many people who are uh, struggling with um, some scars, with uh, mental programs and conditionings that are that are keeping them driven by these lower levels of the brain. So this notion of neurospirituality really is um, a, a looking at the at the brain and the person and spirituality and even cognitive um, distortions as a whole. That all of these things are um, are are mutually um, reflective in one another. And that when we look at spiritual paths, particularly spiritual paths that have a very sequential order of growth, you know, we begin at A, then we move to B and C and so on. Um, so when we look at these, we see that they are all essentially um, driving us from a neurological perspective away from a lot of dysregulation and disharmonious patterns in the brain into a more rational higher brain function again that all correlates with the chakras so um that's that's really the sum and substance of it ellen also it's been being called neurotheology too by some folks out there but um as i said it is it is growing rather rapidly now taking on a lot of um steam largely because of some of the research that is uh, that is happening out there well, and I know you've done some great work, Marty, just because of your experience with Kriya Yoga of mapping, you know, sort of giving us both maps, you know, to overlay, you know, as you mentioned, you know, with the chakras looking at the limbic system, the, the, the lower brain, um, the higher brain as it results to the higher chakra centers. And you know, as you were talking, I was thinking last week on the program, um, I talked with uh, Max Strom and he has a wonderful book out called there is no uh, app for mm -hmm. happiness and um so i'm thinking well this week we are going to say yes there is actually some apps for happiness <laughs> yeah absolutely sure <laughs> um, and of course his point was well taken meaning that you know we can't we can't do it outside of ourselves i yeah. think you're talking about research that can actually um, give us the information for some of those really old questions. You know, I was thinking about Arjun in the Bhagavad Gita who, who asked Lord Krishna, you know, why, how come I don't do the things that I want to do and why am I, you know, doing those things that I don't? <laughs> <laughs> and we find that question in the Bible and the Bhagavad mm -hmm. Gita. And, you know, now um, basically I think what you're telling us with uh, neuro therapy is that we actually can look at why that's happening. Yeah. I mean, and, and I agree there, there isn't an, an internal app for that, but it, it requires um, sort of understanding where some of these behaviors and motivations come from. And, you know, the Sanskrit word, samskara, um, which uh, I, if I remember, sam comes from complete or joined together, kara from action. Um, cause or doing so in, in effect you know in contemporary psychology the samskara uh, just refers to our conditionings whether they're individual 
or uh, collective. So the samskaras uh, or our conditionings, unfortunately, from a neurological perspective, create a groove and neural pathways in the brain that become very deep and very strong. They can become habitual. And um, they, be, they also take up residence, not in any particular location in the brain, but in a network in the brain that has been identified um, recently known as the DMN, which is an acronym for the default mode network. And when the scientists discovered this, it was, it was kind of interesting because as they looked at people, uh, measured their EEG and the activity in the brain and so on, they saw that as they quieted, there was actually an increase in uh, activity in the default mode network. So the default mode network is very important um, in that it um, gives us a sense of ourself. The problem is that sense that it gives us uh, is likely based on um, a lot of conditioning and a lot of cognitive distortion. So it is self-referential. It's the, it's the network in the brain says, this is who you are. Um, this is what you do. This is what you like. This is what you don't like. And an effect is um, if it is short of, you know, complete, um, absolute uh, self and God realization, it is a cognitive distortion. So this default mode network keeps us um, in these conditioned patterns. And what yoga and uh, other teachings are really designed to do is to begin to, uh, first of all, observe this default mode network. Uh, it is most uh, well-observed, one, through behavior. When you find that you're doing things that you really know you shouldn't be doing or resisting things that um, you find that are very difficult to resist, well, that's the default mode network sort of saying, wait a second, that's not my conditioning, that's not my pattern. So in, in, in a sort of an outward sense, we can identify some of these cognitive distortions simply by paying attention to where in our lives we're falling short. One of the problems, though, with um, the default mode network is it tends to be, um, uh, it tends to propagate uh, some of the beliefs, uh, inappropriate beliefs, I should say, because there are some, you know, good some scars that enable us to do good things, but obviously some scars that, that are negative and produce negative results. Um, you know, as, as said in the Patanjali's um, Yoga Sutra, resist those things that are going to cause you future suffering. It's quite clear. So, as we, as we pay attention to those places in our lives, we can begin to look at, well, what's the cognitive distortion here? Where is this coming from? What is my belief? Um, what is this programming about more, myself or the world that is sort of disabling me from doing those things I really want to do or should do? Then again, of course, in, in meditation, we come face to face with that default mode network. And I think every meditation that we do, every single one, um, and I, I mentioned this on a, another uh, show I did this week. You know, there's conclusive evidence now from a Texas Tech University study that 11 hours, just 11 hours of meditation um, changes brain connectivity and functioning. And that's just that study was done just over a month with 11 hours total. So the brain really is um, is is. A, such a plastic organ. I like to think of meditation as self-directed neuroplasticity. We can change the brain with these techniques that we've been giving and change around 
um, these networks that are keeping us bound to old habit patterns, old ways of being and old thoughts. That is so hopeful. And um, when we, we're going to take a break, and when we get back, Marty, let's start off with talking about um, how um, neuroscience and yoga sees the brain and the mind. Um, you're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Marty Wetke. Marty's um, website is neurotherapy.us. We'll be right back with you. Unity Online Radio is affiliated with Unity, a nonprofit organization specializing in prayer, publishing, and spiritual education. If you enjoy our programming and would like to support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now to make a contribution. You can make a one time or recurring monthly donation. Thank you. Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Marty Wetke, the founder and clinical director of Neurotherapy Centers International. And we, we've been talking about um, the brain and uh, spiritual practice, what neurotherapy is, and how it can contribute to our healing and our full functioning. Uh, in the first uh, segment, Marty was talking about um, what has been named as the default mode network. 
that has uh, us uh, identifying ourselves in certain ways and, uh, as I understand it, driving certain behaviors. Um, I think, Marty, it'd be great if we start off this segment um, just talking a little bit about how yoga and how neuroscience sees um, the brain and the mind. Um, because some people, of course, see them as the same thing, but we don't at all in yoga. Yeah, I think neuroscience still, um, you know, follows a very uh, strict scientific paradigm that the mind is produced by the brain. Um, And uh, even that consciousness is a phenomena of the brain, whereas, you know, in yoga, we see it quite the opposite, that we're not um, brains producing consciousness, we are consciousness producing brains. And that the mind is a vehicle, um, but the brain is an organ of the mind. We know that um, we can look at the way the brain functions and look at the electrical activity and glucose uptake and so on. And we can see that thought processes uh, that, that occur all reflect um, very clearly in the brain. We can uh, see when somebody is having a pleasurable thought versus a negative thought. Um, a thought that induces anxiety and so on. So um, that's where neuroscience comes in, and we can see that. But in yogic science, we, we do have a different perspective. Um, and it is, um, it was a, a bit of a, a, an argument. And you, if you go online, you can still see that neuroscientists um, are making one claim, whereas, um, uh, you know, more metaphysical and philosophical approaches um, are coming from another angle. But as I see it now, we're getting closer and closer to um, uh, meeting uh, sort of halfway. But there's a few other things that have emerged recently that are, are changing some of uh, the positions. Um, but let me stop here and see if you have anything to comment on. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, that that's, that's a very interesting divide, isn't it? And so... Mm-hmm. Um, you know what it tells me is that in your in your work with your background, um, you have something, of course, really um, precious and and rich um, to bring. Because we, you know, most of us, of course, as practitioners of yoga, know from our own experience um, how um, brain affects mind and mind affects brain. So um, maybe you could talk just a little bit about you know, how we experience that or if that's viable for you to talk about? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I think that one of the one of the more important things that um, yoga offers us is uh, the the truths and the the affirmations of what reality really is, because, you know, our minds may want to tell us something different. And that may be the result of these samskaras. But as we apply the principles of yoga and under and have a different, broader, bigger understanding of what mind is. Um, you can use that to, to change uh, fundamental um, um, patterns that are going on in the, in the brain and heal quite a few things and overcome many, many obstacles that way that, you know, you may have, or a neuroscientist might say, well, no, your brain has just been um, programmed or made to function that way, so that's just going to be the way it is. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate it in the, in the first um, part of the program when you were talking about, you know, one of the ways that we begin to identify patterns in the brain um, 
uh, or patterns in the mind um, that are being processed through the brain um, without even using high-tech equipment is to observe our behavior um, that, you know, I think most of us have had the experience of, you know, questioning, well, you know, where is that behavior coming from? You know, how, how is it that I, you know, I got so upset, you know, when that coworker said that thing, you know, that didn't upset anybody else um, except just me. Um, and so, you know, where did that come from? So yoga has us look at, um, our behavior in that way and, um, and draw some, uh, you know, through our deductive reasoning, draw some conclusions about um, the imprints uh, in the mind and uh, in the brain. Um, but other ways we can begin to explore is, um, of course, through practices, and you mentioned meditation and um, I'm really curious what you see about the practice of um, pranayama, of the various breathing practices that we use in yoga. Do you have experience with seeing how breath affects the brain and the mind? Sure, sure absolutely. And this is one of the keys, um, and I, I think it's why breath is so um, um, you know, underlined in so many yogic texts as the key. Uh, so what what the the breath really does is it connects our mind to our body and the way that it it does that is through the autonomic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system is sort of you can think of the brain and the spinal cord as the central nervous system the autonomic nervous system is everything peripheral to that uh, so it is all the parts of um of the nervous system that go to the organs and the muscles and the blood vessels and so on throughout the body. And there's two portions to the autonomic nervous system. Um, One is called the sympathetic, the other is called the parasympathetic. And this is what regulates the activation and the inhibition that we experience in our body as, in other words, activation would be rapid heartbeat, digestion shutting down, increased muscle tension, the lungs even dilate so that we get more oxygen, the uh, pupils dilate. So that's the sympathetic portion. The parasympathetic essentially inhibits um, that. So all day long, our autonomic nervous system is doing a dance back and forth between activation and inhibition, depending upon how much stress we have in our lives. Sometimes this uh, dance can get uh, fairly erratic. Now, um, one of the things about breath in particular is that it will directly reflect what your autonomic nervous system, it will even reflect a heart rate variability, which is something that um, some of the listeners may be familiar with. So as just as it reflects what is actually happening um, due to our perceptions, you know, it's not what happens around us. It's how we interpret and uh, translate what is happening. And then if it's a negative or stressful translation or interpretation, it sets off this autonomic nervous system. And then the breath reflects that. Well, at the same time, we can use our breath, the regulation of the breath, to begin to balance and quiet down the autonomic nervous system. And this is fun. this is foundational. This is, this is um, a primary prerequisite for um, uh, uh, working with higher cortical areas in the brain. The foundation, which is the autonomic nervous system, uh, is um, reflected in the breath. 
And so as we practice um, the basic pranayams and the, the breath technique that you started uh, today's program with is just is this is such a key <laughs> to our practices. I, I just can't say enough about it. <laughs> so so basically what you're explaining to us from a scientific viewpoint is that you know, our breath is either, um, I mean, I guess I would call it unconscious or, you know, mm-hmm. auto- autonomic breath or with um, pranayama or various breathing practices, we have the opportunity then to make the breath conscious. And when we do that, we then have the ability to impact um, what's going on with our nervous system on a physical, biological level, but then also to affect what's going on with us spiritually. And I'm guessing that our breathing begins to move us out of that limbic system, <laughs> uh, the lower chakras, and into the higher um, chakras, um, I guess, depending on what kind of breathing we're doing. So would that be accurate? Yes, very much. Um, you know, And then as you get into more advanced pranayams, you know, in Kriya Yoga, we have the... Um, basic Kriya Yoga Pranayama, what we see happening is um, depending on the, the psychophysiology, in other words, the, the, the mechanism of the particular Pranayama and um, where you're focusing and so on, you'll see that um, you can activate, uh, actually in a very uh, tremendous way, um, the higher regions in the cortex. So what you, what, but first, before you can do that, you have to, quiet the limbic system. You have to make sure that um, it is subdued and you have, uh, you know, experienced um, a, a general balancing of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. But then with more advanced pranayams, you can begin to activate higher and higher regions of the brain. With advanced meditation, there's a bit of a paradox that puzzled a neuroscientist for a while. There are two states that um, an advanced meditator will reach. And it, it sounds paradoxical. One is profound, deep relaxation, uh, as evidenced in the EEG, and the other is profound activation. Seemingly two opposite, but, um, you know, they are uh, compatible uh, states that you achieve eventually with meditation. And it is, the, it is the, the initial phases of regulating the breath that produce the profound relaxation that, again, is foundational. But once you've, you have achieved that, then you can do the more advanced pranayams where you experience the correlate um, activation. And it's very and interesting. Would you call that profound activation really a heightened uh, awareness? Heightened awareness, is, and really, in, in, in effect, it's just a magnification of our, you know, our own individual consciousness. Um, you know, this is where clarity comes in. This is where... Um, uh, you know, even begins to, um, we begin to have, we begin to have more access to our own, uh, internal, um, information <laughs> because mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's specific brainwaves that actually go along with this activation. They're called gamma, uh, which are very interesting because gamma has been found in Kriya yoga meditators and Tibetan, Tibetan meditators. And it's an indication of, uh, it's a binding frequency. So it's an indication that the the whole brain is referencing itself you and and it has to be a present um, time experience as well so it's it's quite uh, fascinating when you begin to look at what happens well and and you know hearing you talk about it marty it 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 sounds to me like um 
Well, it's just so amazing that when we read, for example, Paramahansa Yogananda or even his guru, um, Sri Yukteswar, you know, one of the things that is, is there in their instruction, um, about pranayama and meditation is the caution to prepare the body and mind, you know, through preliminary practices, which have to do with, you know, dharmic living, you know, balanced living, um, you know, learning how to meditate, um, purifying the, the nadis, right? The, um, channels, um, for the pranic flow, um, getting, and, and you know, um, Paramahansaji used that beautiful, um, <laughs> metaphor of how much, um, electrical juice uh, a light bulb could take mm-hmm. and uh, so is that is that related to what you're talking it's, about it's it's absolutely true this this transformation process this refinement process that um you know we, we hear uh, uh explained in esoteric traditions is reflected in in our neurophysiology there there has to be a refinement of the nervous system in order for us to accommodate these higher um, more impactful, uh, you know, sort of a magnification of consciousness. Um, otherwise, I think what Paramahansaji said was quite true. The circuits will burn out. And the, the thing about this, this energetics, like if I look at a brain map of an advanced yogi and then a brain map of somebody who is uh, experiencing a high level of anxiety, they act from the surface. Um, without looking at deeper levels of the brain, they'll actually look the same. But if I look at the limbic system of both, I will see that the person experiencing a lot of anxiety, the limbic system is also lit up. In other words, it is highly active versus the yogi, who the limbic system is quiet, but the cortex is, is experiencing this powerful activation. And that energy is an impartial energy. It is like the sunlight, it shines on the flowers and the weeds. So I think what you're saying, the the nadis, those weeds have to be cleared up before we can really manifest that energy. And it does have, you know, as our own uh, guru, Roy Jean Davis, has often told us, you know, we don't, we don't have to be afraid of uh, approaching meditation or kundalini awakening. You know, it's a very natural process. Um, the caution is, you know, not to try to force awakening, you know, with, um, uh, you know, doing a pranayama that, um, you know, is beyond your capacity. But if you, you know, certainly follow follow um, a regular practice of awakening, you're leading a balanced life, um, you know, devotion is a key in there for keeping us balanced, um, then there's certainly no uh, concern. But I think it's it's really interesting to note that, you know, how these yogis, um, you know, before neuroscience was available to us, we're, we're certainly aware of the progressive nature of this unfoldment. Mm-hmm. It's, yoga is a complete science within itself, and the more I um, study neuroscience and research, the more I'm really amazed at the uh, level of knowledge that has um, gone into um, our practices. <laughs> Just keep returning back, that's all. 
I know. And, and that has, that's how I have felt too. You know, it's yeah. so, um, deep that, um, it's just, uh, you know, I haven't ever come to a place in, you know, in 35 years where I felt like, okay, I've got it. You know, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's always, there's always more. Um, you know, before we go to the break, I, I'd like to start, you know, we talked about pranayama and you gave us such a beautiful, um, explanation about the breath. And, um, let's begin to talk now a little bit about prachahara, which um, this interiorization that precedes um, concentration. So what do you see about this practice of interiorization um, in terms of brain activity? Uh, it's interesting because normally, our, again, the default mode network, um, even though it's self-referential, it also drives us to be very external. So there's parts of the brain called the sensory motor um, strips or the sensory motor pathways that are um, essentially, you know, it's their job to relate uh, us to the environment and the external world. And they have very particular rhythms that you see uh, dominant when we are externalized and so on. So with Prachihara, um, sense withdrawal, you see a change begin in um, what's called proprioception. So um, there emerges a, a brainwave frequency called theta and activity in other areas of the brain begin to increase where we, we, we start to remove our awareness from the external um, environment and the external triggers and almost like a spotlight, turn that attention within. And again, um, that's, that is, that's what you see happen with meditation as, a, as the meditator progresses. You see some of these brain rhythms change and some get more dominant as um, awareness uh, internalizes. That is so fascinating. So when we come back from the break, let's talk about um, that spotlight and the ability that we have, as, as Paramahansa Yogananda said, to disconnect from the sense telephones, because that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour with guests today, Marty Whitekey, founder and clinical director of Neurotherapy Centers International. His website is neurotherapy.us, and we'll be right back with you. We are all on the journey together, making sense of this life, finding our spirituality, growing and evolving. As we travel through this world, Unity Magazine is your resource for gaining a deeper understanding of life. Unity Magazine is on the forefront of spiritual discovery, with articles and features from leading authors, teachers, and philosophers. Stimulate your thinking and strengthen your spirituality with Unity Magazine. Sample a free trial issue or subscribe today at unitymagazine.org. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
are listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogachari O'Brien, and today we're talking with Marty Wetke from the Neurotherapy Centers International. We've been talking about um, the brain and uh, the mind and um, the conjunction of spiritual practice and uh, what we can see today in in science about the brain and the mind. And before the break, we were um, talking about the progressive stages of meditation. We talked about in the eight-limb system of Ashtanga Yoga, um, that's uh, part of the system of Kriya Yoga. We, we talked about Pranayam, how breath is so fundamental to um, being able to um, change our experience, change our behavior. Um, and then we looked at the next step of pratyahara, of um, disconnecting our outflowing attention and beginning to turn it around. And um, Marty, you were just um, commenting on how that works in the brain. So, so take us into that next step of how we move from intentionally redirecting our attention, that spotlight that you mentioned, um, to beginning the process of uh, concentration, focusing on one point. What's going on in in the brain when we start to focus on one point? Well, when we start to focus on one point, first of all, through the prachahara, through sense withdrawal, we are, um, and everything that goes before that, we're, we're calming and quieting. Again, the limbic system is um, sort of fading into the background, um, and we're practicing that witness state. So as we move into concentration dharana, um, we we begin to activate uh, the frontal lobes of the brain, particularly the prefrontal lobes. And then, um, because it's very difficult to to speak about the brain as separate areas, um, only because all function in the brain is vicarious. Everything connects with everything else. But what you will see particularly is when you when you move into concentration, which is absolutely essential for higher states of, of consciousness and meditation, is the frontal lobe will begin to activate, <clears throat> sort of goes online. You'll see a lot of frontal lobe beta activity, activity particularly uh, left frontal, which correlates um, to very positive feelings all the way up to feelings of ecstasy, um, and I see it in a lot of Kriya yogis. As a, when I do their brain maps, you'll see left frontal beta when they experience, um, you know, this really uh, uh, positive state of consciousness. Um, but it is essential for that to happen because if you if you don't get these frontal lobes activated, there will be difficulty maintaining attention, uh, maintaining focus and concentration, keeping some of the um, you know distracting thoughts. Uh, out of out of awareness as you move to more advanced stages of meditation. So when you watch a, 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 someone moving into meditation on your um, scanning devices in that initial stage, um, d- do you see some kind of dance going on between lower and higher brain? Oh, as, absolutely. As that, yeah. as that activity is shifting from the lower um, into, and of course there's that correlation with the chakras again, with Agnya uh, chakra at the third eye and the crown. Um, mm-hmm. And so is that lighting up in the brain? 
Yes, absolutely. You see, um, you see this, this as, I, as I mentioned earlier, this intensity of activity occur there. Um, and it, obviously all this depends on the, uh, you know, how proficient the meditator is. Uh, beginning meditators are going to have one thing happen, whereas advanced meditators quite a different thing. And in many advanced meditators, um, and this was studied in Tibetan and Kriya yogis, just walking around, their EEGs are quite different than the normal population. The limbic system is quiescent. It is in the background quiet. And you see this activation uh, all the time. In other words, they are present. They, or, or they are um, more or less, their brains are experiencing the present versus the default mode network, giving them lots of past references. Mm. So this is really, um, you're able to see this experience of um, after a time of practice where, you know, um, you know, my own experience has been, you know, simply this ability to be more present and less reactive. You know, it's like there's um, um, an expansion of consciousness that occurs that you can observe, you know, what would have once been an automatic response, um, you know, in, in a field um, that's more expansive where you can see it, but you don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Which is different, you know, from uh, earlier experience, at least, in, you know, that I experienced, you know, before being a meditator, that, you know, I, I wasn't aware of um, the ability to have my consciousness expanded to the point where there was a choice. I think in a certain sense, that's really what liberation means. We're liberated from our own conditionings uh, so that we can see things more clearly. Um, and, and again, in the ultimate and, and perhaps primary sense, you know, comes that, that final um, dissolution of the sense of separation that really is the end result of all of these practices. Um, we're just working at different levels, working on different um, you know, different uh, obstacles and clearing them away, clearing them away. And then finally that realization, which is just simply a shift in perspective, you know, is allowed to happen. Mm. That's a beautiful uh, way to talk about liberation and ultimately the highest uh, samadhi um, states. Um, samadhi, of course, um, Many listeners are familiar with that term, but, you know, we're basically talking about super consciousness, super conscious um, meditation, and there are various uh, levels of samadhi. Um, and when we look at the yogic system, um, you know, that's a goal in meditation, to meditate super consciously, which really is much, uh, as Marty has been describing, is moving our attention and awareness out of that limbic system, having uh letting our consciousness expand uh into these uh higher states of consciousness which are uh available to us as um human beings so just uh, before we go today tell us about um a little bit about how this neurotherapy you know helps us to be fully present uh mm-hmm. in our life every day which um of course is a goal of yoga well, uh, you know, again, it, it has to do with um, moving away from our own conditions and our own, um, co- I hate to keep using the term cognitive distortions, but that's really uh, what we, you know, if we have conditionings and programmings, that is what many of us are challenged by. Um, and 
I think that, um, you know, as we, if you want to look at it from a, another neurochemical perspective, uh, you've heard me talk about this before. Dopamine is the brain chemical that um, is always seeking a, a future reward and tends to tie our attention and our motive, motives and motivation with externals. So, for instance, gambling and certain thrill-seeking behaviors and even chemicals and drugs, um, that's, that's why people get addicted to them because dopamine attack, attaches to them. But what happens as we begin to practice meditation and sense withdrawal and so on is that this, these dopamine circuits in the brain um, are, are fed, are, um, are activated by our, our processes our meditation, and we begin to find our reward uh, within. Mm. Um, so it's it's the D two receptors that are uh, special special dopamine receptors, and this is a this is a real key, particularly with people who are um, struggling with their practices and you know dealing with some resistance or sometimes even self sabotage. But if you just hang in there. Um, eventually you, you know, so you're working with your own neurochemistry and eventually the rewards begin to come from, from inside of yourself, uh, because attachment to the world outside is really this little trick that this brain chemical we call dopamine, um, uh, does to us. So mm. we can, we can turn that entire thing around and find that, that, um, inner serenity, that inner calm, that, um, source, within ourselves. And that is actually a reversal of those dopamine pathways. That is so helpful, you know, to, to have this scientific support um, that there really is a higher happiness <laughs> that, yeah. that we can experience and we can know. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about the Buddha saying, you know, there is pleasure and there is bliss. Um, you know, forego the first two um, achieve the second. Mm -hmm. And of course, it doesn't mean that we can't experience pleasure in life, but it's just so helpful to know the distinction because that one keeps us on the treadmill, what we call it the dopamine treadmill, right? <laughs> of just, you know, looking, looking for yeah. that high, um, and finding, you know, exhausting ourselves trying to get it again and again. Whereas, um, bliss is, uh, this more, we could call it a refined sense of pleasure that is not externally, um, motivated or, or fired, um, mm -hmm. but is, is there for us. Um, Marty, it's been so helpful to talk with you today and to reflect on, you know, what we can find out about ourselves in the science of the brain and how we can bring that together with the spirituality of yoga. I want to uh, remind our listeners that they can find out more about your work um, by going to your website at neurotherapy.com. U.S. And um, if you take a look at Yoga Hour archives, um, you'll also find um, some previous uh, programs with Marty, um, one from 2010, Meditation in Your Brain, and another in um, uh, 2012, Brain, Mind, and Breakthrough, How to Maximize Your Potential for Success. So those are uh, two archives that you'll want to pay attention to. And uh, Marty, we uh, hope you'll be joining us again at CSE pretty soon. I don't think we have a date, but um, we look forward to your uh, your classes there that you present. Oh, I'll surely be up your way. Thanks, Ellen. Great. And uh, I want to um, invite uh, listeners to join us next week as we continue this uh, series on healing and wholeness. And we'll be talking with Nayaswami Gyandev McCord. 
um, who has a new book out on spiritual yoga and how our attitude makes all the difference. Uh, for information about CSE, remember to visit csecenter.org. And if you're not subscribed to Yoga Hour yet, you can do that through iTunes. Get all these programs for free and have access to all the archives. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and that you can be a beacon of light. Share that peace and that joy with everyone you meet. Good to be with you this morning, and thanks again so much, Marty. Thank you, Ellen. And thank you, Jeff, in our sound room. It was a good show this morning. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on this message from Daily Word. Is something in your life causing you concern? Don't be discouraged. The presence of God is peace and harmony. Healing and creative ideas is with you every moment of every day, providing the help you need. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. You are a spiritual being, blessed with all that you need for happiness and fulfillment. God's wisdom will guide you. God's strength will help you do all that you need to do. And God's joy will lighten your heart with hope and courage. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source. And each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? 
Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 